The ban on Shalach Manus. In the small town in old Tsarist Russia, where our story unfolds itself, the sheriff, or pristav as he was called in Russian, was like a little czar, which means like a little king. The sight of his uniform, with his brightly shining brass buttons, stamped with the official emblem, and his hat glittering with authority, drove fear into the hearts of the poor Jewish residents and shopkeepers. For the sheriff was a harsh man, and he decidedly did not like Jews. Quite fittingly, the Jews called him Haman. The sheriff considered himself the personal representative of the Tsar, the king of Russia. There was no higher authority in the town than he. He was the law. He loved his power, and even the title with which the Jews had given him, Haman, he enjoyed even more the opportunity which his position offered him to get money from the poor Jews by threats and even violence. Let it be remembered that the sheriff was many officials combined in one. He was the chief of police, the sanitation department, health inspector, food inspector, inspector of weights and measures, and many other things. When he set out on his inspection tour, a shutter ran through the big street where all the stores were located in two long rows on either side of the street. The street was filled with women and brooms, feverishly sweeping the fronts of their little shops. Inside the shops, the men were hurriedly putting things in order, covering the groceries, dusting the shelves, hanging up flycatchers, replacing the lids on the herring and kerosene barrels, checking the dates on their licenses, and bracing themselves for the crisis. From shop to shop, the dreadful news spread. Haman is coming! What a rumpus there was. Small wonder, too. From morning until evening, the poor shopkeepers stood in the pokey little stores, freezing in the winter, sweating in the summer, barely earning a livelihood. Then comes this Haman and takes the last piece of bread out of their children's mouths. For should the inspector find a speck of dust on the shelf, or should a stray fly happen to alight on the butter in his August presence, out comes the pad of summonses, and a whole week's or month's hard earnings disappears faster than a fly. The poor shopkeeper begs and pleads, can I stand all day with a fan in my hand and let no fly take a smell at my butter? Have pity on my wife and children. But he might as well talk to the wall. Haman had a heart of stone. He does not even bother to reply. He calmly fills out the summons, hands it to the grief-stricken shopkeeper, and struts out of the shop next door or across the street. Here he finds everything in perfect order, but that will not do. 
He takes the butter knife, scrapes a bit of butter on the knife's edge, and puts it to his mouth. He pulls a face, spits it out, and roars. Fool! What butter? How do you sell such poisonous stuff? Out comes the summons. But your honor, the shopkeeper protests. It was, only it was only yesterday that I bought this butter from a farmer, fresh from the farm. You'll tell it to the judge, answers Haman, who also happens to be the judge. Entering another store, Haman would go snooping around, enjoying the sight of the pale and trembling shopkeeper. Then he would force a smile on his face. Nice shop. Must tell my wife to come shopping here, he would say, leaving no summons behind him. But the relief of the shopkeeper was short-lived. Later, later in the afternoon, the sheriff's wife would come in, all smiles, and order a bag full of groceries. But when it came to payment, she would suddenly discover that she had left her purse home. Next time she came shopping, she happened to be out of change. When the shopkeeper respectfully reminded her that, she, that he cannot afford to give credit, she became insulted. Soon the shopkeeper would find out to his sorrow that it would have been better to forget the debt. For the sheriff appeared and gave him a summons, and before long, a second one. The shopkeeper had to acknowledge defeat and just give up. When the sheriff came a third time, the shopkeeper told him plainly, Your honor, your wife does not owe me anything. There were no more summonses, and the sheriff's wife transferred her custom to another shop. What could the poor Jews do but to pray to Hashem to get rid of this Haman? The older townspeople still remembered the sheriff when he was a young boy. He was their Shabbos guy, who would come Shabbos afternoon and take the candles off the table, add wood in the fireplace, and do some light work also during the week. For this he was rewarded with a meal, a piece of white bread, an apple, but this boy Vanya was his name, felt no gratitude and no thanks towards the Jews who had befriended him. He was jealous of them, for in his imagination, their humble but clean homes filled with the holy Shabbos atmosphere seemed like enchanted palaces. And his jealousy gave rise to hatred and greed. He began to steal things until he was caught red-handed and found the doors of the Jewish homes closed to him. Soon he disappeared and nobody saw him again for many years. When he came back, he was dressed in a shabby soldier's uniform and he walked down Big Street with his nose in the air as if he were a general. Again he disappeared only to return years later as the newly appointed sheriff. It did not take him long to earn the title Haman. Having grown up among Jews, 
he knew all about Jewish life, their habits, customs, and Yom Tovim. He knew, for example, that Purim was a day when the Jews celebrated the downfall of Haman, and when feasting and drinking was the order of the day. It was a mitzvah to drink so much as not to know the difference between Aror Haman, cursed is Haman, and Baruch Mardechai, blessed is Mardechai. And so, our Haman decided to spoil the fun the Jews were having on the Purim day. He looked in vain for drunken Jews, though he could issue a few summonses for disturbing peace. But this did not quite satisfy him. He planned something really big, something that would make Jews really mad. Before the next Purim came around, the sheriff let it be known that no longer would Shalachmanis carriers be permitted to do business without a license. This was ridiculous, of course. The Shalachmanis carriers could not earn in a hundred Purims what it costs to pay for a license. The Jews were furious and very upset. They sent a delegation to the sheriff asking him to withdraw his order. They even offered him a bunch of money, but this time the sheriff was not interested in money. He really wanted to force the Jews to give up the mitzvah of Shalach Manis and spoil and to spoil their yomtif. The sheriff threatened to arrest anyone caught carrying Shalach Manis and to take away the Shalach Manis and put that person into jail. Purim came and all the Yidden gathered in Shul to hear the Megillah. When Haman's name was mentioned, there was an outburst of stomping of feet and noisy Haman graggers. But not only for Haman of the Megillah, but also for their own private Haman. The same was repeated again the following morning. In the afternoon, when it was time to send Shalachmanis, a few brave Shalachmanis carriers decided to run the blockade even if they were going to go to prison for it. The sheriff and his deputy, his helper, were out on patrol. They could not cope with all the Shalachmanis carriers, but they managed to catch two of them and arrested them. Then the sheriff and his deputy sat down to enjoy the Shalachmanis, which they had taken away from the criminals. The Shalachmanis, which the sheriff had taken away, was meant for the great rabbi of the town, who was greatly respected not only by the Jews, but also by the Goyim in town. Fortunately, the old rabbi did not depend on Shalachmanis to provide a Purim Sa'udah for him. He was sitting at his Purim feast, at his Purim Sa'udah, in company of several guests, when the sheriff's wife rushed in with tears in her eyes and in great distress. Holy Rabbi, my husband is dying. He was eating the shalachmanis, which had to be taken away from the carriers and a fishbone stuck in his throat. Please help him. Pray for him, Rabbi. Remove the curse from him, Rabbi. The sheriff is dying. My husband, please. The old rabbi explained to her 
that it was not the Jews who had cast the spell over her husband, but Hashem had punished him. And her too, for being so cruel and mean to the Jews and making their life miserable. If both of you will promise to stop harming the Jews and bothering the Jews, your husband will be saved. Go tell it to him. The sheriff's wife rushed back to her husband who was still in agony and fear of death. She told him what the great rabbi said. With his last strength, the sheriff swore they would never do any harm to any Jew. For a moment, he was still choking, but then suddenly relief came. The bone was somehow dislodged and slid down his throat, and the sheriff knew that a miracle had happened to him. The following day, Shushan Purim, the sheriff came to the rabbi. Holy rabbi, he said, I know you saved my life my life. I want to promise you again that never, never again will I make any trouble for any Jew. I swear to you. Pray for me. As he turned to go, he said somewhat sheepishly, I'd rather not be called, hum be called Haman anymore. There was great joy in the little town as the word spread that Haman, I mean the sheriff, had become a different man and every year on Purim, the sheriff would pay his respects to the old rabbi to exchange l'chaim with him and to renew his promise to be good to the Jews.